0: Welcome to the American Truck Driver Podcast. This is episode 13. I'm your host, Chris Polk, Uh, coming to you live from West Virginia. I got Dan Babbitt on the line. He's out in Colorado. Uh, We are going to talk about Landstar today. Um, This has been a subject that I have seen in social media that uh, can really um, garner some some drama from people uh they you know people want to know about what Landstar is and and how it works and Dan and I are both leased to Landstar I've been here two years this month uh he's been here longer than I have so we'll get into that uh both of us have leased trucks we've been with different carriers so we have a perspective um on you know what's the difference between Landstar and and another company so 1st I'd like to start by talking about some simple things that kind of lay the groundwork for us to really talk about Landstar and what it is and what it does. Um, first thing we need to talk about are brokers and carriers and what brokers are and what carriers are. Um, you know, there, there's, In the 20 years almost that I've been in this business, uh, there's a natural adversarial relationship between drivers and people who are sitting in an office somewhere with a computer in front of them, not driving down the road, not dealing with the shippers and receivers, not dealing with the traffic. Um, And so it's really easy for drivers uh, and even truck owners to see brokers and carriers as enemies. Now, I've learned the hard way uh, that my attitude toward these people is solely my responsibility. I I can't control them. I can't make them do anything. It's my responsibility to control my own behavior and how I choose to look at these people and the relationships. So, in general, in the trucking business, we have brokers shippers and we have carriers now a shipper is pretty simple a shipper is someone who ships some product and more often than not the shipper is paying the bill so you know you've got a warehouse full of widgets and you need to send forty thousand pounds of your widgets down the road in order to uh, fulfill an, a sales order then you as a shipper are going to reach out to a carrier or a broker to get that freight, put on a trailer, and move down the road to the destination. Brokers are people who don't own trucks. Carriers are people that do own trucks. Carriers can book loads, and many do. Uh, A lot of the big companies, Schneider, JB, have their own brokerages, and they do their own uh, brokering as well as hauling. You, your broker is a person that is just on the under, other end of a f- telephone where a shipper can call that person as an agent and say, Hey, I need a truck. And then that person goes and finds a carrier, someone that owns a truck to come and get that freight and carry it down the road. Um, so it's important to understand the distinction between who the broker and the carrier are. Now, One thing that has to be mentioned in all of this is that everybody has to make a profit. Everybody has to make a living. So if you are the owner of a brokerage and you've got somewhere between one and a thousand employees and you've got bills to pay, then you have to make enough money in revenue and pay all those plus make some profit for it to be worth your while. So it seems with people that somehow brokers and carriers shouldn't make any money. Uh, The driver should make all the money. The truck truck should get 99.1% of all the rate, and then the rest can go to the broker. Well, things just don't work that way. So these people have to make a living. So if you're out in the market and you've got your own truck and your own trailer and you are a carrier... You have gone through the process to get your own DOT number, and you have your own truck, and you have your own trailer, and you have your own insurance, and you are a trucking company. Then you are in competition with all the other trucking companies, and you have to find brokers or agents to get you freight. The rates that you're going to earn are solely based on supply and demand. The capacity versus the volume of freight. The capacity is the number of trucks available to haul freight, and the volume is the number of loads available to be hauled. This is not rocket science. It's real simple. If there's 1,000 trucks sitting somewhere to get wanting a load, and there's 100 loads, the rates are going to suck. Conversely, if there's 1,000 loads sitting somewhere, and there's only 100 trucks to haul them, the rates are going to be awesome. There's no magic pill for that. That is basic economics 101 it cannot be changed cannot be manipulated you cannot pass a law you cannot wave a magic wand you cannot change that equation that is how it is now if you have a niche where you haul some type of you're set up to haul some type of specialized product then you can be immune from that capacity versus volume supply versus demand Uh, equation. You can be immune from it because if that same thousand loads is sitting there uh, and and there's only, you know, only a hundred trucks or vice versa. So there's a, there's a thousand trucks and a hundred loads. Well, if one of those loads has to have a special trailer and you've got that special trailer, supply and demand just went out the window. You know, it, 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 the, the overall market may drive your rate down a little bit, but at the end of the day, you're the only guy there that's available. So specialization in your market is just as important as anything else as to what you're going to be able to do. All I do at Landstar right now is pull a van. I don't carry any special equipment, so I'm at the mercy of the market. Um, and I've thought about specializing, but right now I'm I'm making a living. And I'm profitable, so it's really not a big deal. I, I may go flatbed eventually um, because you can. It's really easy to specialize there. Now, in general, I'm going to talk about some generalities here with the the relationship between a carrier, a person who has an authority, and an owner operator, which is a person who has a truck. Now generally speaking, there are two ways that carriers pay trucks. One is on mileage where they pay you a stated mileage rate for every mile you drive. And the other one is a percentage. That's pretty much it. I'm sure there are, you know, maybe somebody's paid by the day or someone's paid by the load or sometimes they you see, paid by weight. But generally speaking, If you're out pulling general freight, you're either going to get paid on mileage or percentage. In my five years of being an owner-operator, including the three years that I leased a truck from a carrier, I've been paid on percentage. And I prefer that over mileage because I want to ride the ups and downs. Because when the ups are up, they're way up. Well, if I'm riding a mileage contract, I don't get those ups. And I don't get the downs either. But uh, every single year that I have been in business, I have averaged way above what mileage contracts for most people uh, for every mile. Uh, twenty fifteen I did a for every mile, like twenty eleven I did a but I have I've stayed anywhere from a dollar say sixty five up to a dollar eighty, dollar ninety. Um, and I don't know of, they may be out there, but I don't know of any mileage contracts that pay that way. Most of them are somewhere between 90 and a buck 20 plus fuel. Um, so, uh, that, that's, that's pretty standard is you're going to get a percentage of the line haul rate somewhere, you know, anywhere between 65 and 80%. Uh, pretty much everybody pays a hundred percent on the fuel surcharge. Pretty much everybody pays a hundred percent on, your stop and unloading pay, or not your stop, but your unloading and loading pay, and all of your other accessorial type pay, stop pay, detention layover, New York arbitrary, all that kind of stuff is subject to the same percentage as the line haul. So there's nothing new about that. That's it was that way the three years that I was leased to Anderson Trucking Service, and it's the exact same way at Landstar. Only difference is I got two percent more at ATS than I did Landstar. Now, uh. If you're a carrier, uh, then you have expenses that are above and beyond a truck payment, tires, brakes, maintenance, fuel, wages. Um, And those are things that I don't have. You know, these are not costs that I have to incur as an owner operator. I don't have to pay cargo liability insurance, I pay bobtail liability. And I pay for physical damage to cover my truck, but I do not pay cargo insurance and I do not pay liability insurance when I'm hooked to a trailer. Um, I don't have to pay for drug testing consortium. I don't have to pay all the, you know, I don't have to pay anybody to keep up with all the federal reporting compliance crap that you do when you're a carrier and all the the stacks of paperwork you've got to keep up with. Um, I don't have a building. I don't have employees. I don't have... Data systems beyond a, an iPhone and a, and a computer. I don't have any utilities to pay. I just I operate the truck. That's it. Now, if you are a carrier, you get your own DOT number, you've got your own trailer, you've got your own truck. Well, you've got to incur those expenses as well. Um, and I've seen anywhere, you know, just watching people talk about that first year, uh, I've seen numbers as high as $40,000 just for insurance your first year it goes down as you i saw one guy put his up on facebook one day it was like sixty five hundred bucks for the year you can't beat that um but you know it, it can i've seen 25 30 35 40,000 that you have to pay the first two or three years just to get insurance as a new carrier um obviously i mean that's that's a little less or a little more than half of what i'm what I net in a year now I could make more money if I wasn't paying on a percentage contract but I you know that's what we're going to get to here in a minute but I just want to lay down the the uh the foundation of brokers carriers who has to pay what we all have expenses that we have to pay we all have to be profitable we all have to keep a certain percentage of the money all right so here's where we're going to start talking about Landstar. Now, Dan, if you would come in and just lay down the foundation, how long you've been with Landstar, touch on your previous experience of leasing a truck from Central and then getting into Landstar.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, been, been with Landstar uh, five years uh, this week, actually. Um, I started with Central Refrigerated, which at that time was sort of a division of swift it's now a greater part of swift i think uh they've integrated you know combined the two a little bit more um standard lease contract is how i started i believe it was around 90 cents a mile plus fuel surcharge and i knew from the beginning that you know i was pretty much starting at the bottom and i had a long way to go uh my goal was always to improve the revenue per mile while you know keeping the expenses down as much as possible. Um, now even though I started with refrigerated freight, uh, I was actually, I only ran that for about six months, and I was on uh, cores dedicated since I live in Denver. And we actually hauled beer in dry vans, so uh, I back hauled a lot of just standard van freight. So that kind of, uh, you know, set me up for the transition over to Landstar pretty pretty easily, since uh, I pull a van for Landstar. Um, and like you, being with Landstar now, I greatly enjoy being on the percentage uh, system rather than the fixed uh, fixed rate. It, it gives you that opportunity to do better than average. Um, Now I will say it's a little challenging at first to kind of get to know the system.
0: I like to Uh, use the word terrifying. My first week was (laughs) terrifying.
1: My first, yeah, I'll agree with that. I was terrified. And then after the, that went away, I was just frustrated for four or five months until I got the hang of things. And I talked to a lot of new Landstar, uh, BCOs, business capacity owners, as we, uh, as Landstar refers to us, uh, owner operators slash drivers to the rest of the industry. Um, I talked to a lot of the new guys and just about all of them seem to have the same frustration and, you know, there is a learning curve there, but nothing, uh, nothing worth doing is, is, uh, is always easy, you know? Um, but the, the Landstar system allows you to do better than average. Some, in some cases, much better than average on your revenue. Um, it also, since we don't have dispatchers, that's worth mentioning. Um, we, we spend a lot of time on that load board and some guys just don't like that. And, you know, there's some guys that leave Landstar cause they want to go back to the dispatch system. Um, I mean, me let me
0: interject something here real quick. You know, I use the word terrified, which, was, which is accurate, but that first week, two weeks, it was almost creepy in a way from, from my entire career I had a dispatcher. I had somebody to call. I had somebody to check in with. I had someone to, who was always in the back of my mind that I was performing for. And I still have that. It's just different people. You know, each load, it's a different person that, that I'm, you know, that I have to keep up with, but I didn't have that one constant guy at ATS. My guy was Jay, you know, and you know, he was my guy. We, you know, I, we took care of each other and, uh, but it was just weird, you know, when I got done with a load and I wanted to, well, I'll just go home, you know, and I, there was nobody to call and say, okay, I'm going home now. You know, I just shoved it in gear and went to the house.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, you, you end up that, that agent, that broker, uh, that you deal with, with Landstar ends up, you know, being the guy that, uh, that's kind of in the back of your mind. You know, this is the guy you need to report to. Many of the agents require check-in, uh, in and out calls or emails or whatever texts sometimes. Um, some don't, but most require some kind of contact, uh, you know, basic, basic in and out time, something like that. Uh, so you do have, you know, that you're sort of checking in with them, uh, you know, uh, at, at least at the point of pickup and delivery. It may not necessarily be every day if you're on a three, four day long load, you know. Um, but the Landstar system also allows you that free. You know, you can go home when you want. You can go where you want, other than California, if you have an old truck like I do. Um, so you know, there, that's a, for me. That's a huge plus. Um, and one other thing I would like to mention is I've actually got some uh, a little bit of a scenario here that I'd like to run. This is a what I'm going to call a worst case scenario to prove a point. Um, the rates are down this year. There's there's no denying that. It's the whole industry. It's not just Landstar. But what I have noticed so far this year is, and it took me a little while to see this big picture, our rates are down just slightly above, where they're slightly above the industry average right now. Um, let me give an example. If I want to compare... compare what i'm doing now with Landstar to what i used to do with central which again that was swift um living in denver here let i'm going to compare a beer load beer is the cheapest thing you can haul pretty much no matter who your carrier is uh <laughs> that's just kind of the facts of life
0: cheap and so, heavy
1: cheap and heavy so we have beer uh coming out of golden here we've also got a little bit coming out of budweiser up in uh, fort collins colorado but uh I used to since I used to do the coors dedicated, haul beer out and then backhaul whatever back into the Denver area. I'll I'll do that comparison. Right now I can haul beer out of uh Golden for a whopping dollar ten a mile to go to Springfield, Illinois. That is the gross rate. So that's what Coors is gonna pay Landstar. Dollar ten per mile. So I'm going to end up seeing about 66% of that is the the to-the-truck rate. So it's the low, low rate of 72.5 cents per mile to the truck. Now, the way rates and lanes work, again, supply and demand... Um, inbound freight coming into Denver pays quite a bit more than outbound. So right now I can haul loads for the gross rate of 279 back into Denver. So with my, I'll kind of skip all the math, but with my out of rate uh, or out of, out of route uh, mileage, you know, the extra miles that I put on the truck, going to the truck wash, the truck dealer, this and that, uh, I like to calculate all revenue against all miles. I can do a dollar fifteen on all miles to the truck hauling beer out and general freight back in. I can do it week after week after week, and again the rates are. This is the lowest I've seen the rates in about ten years. Um, so yeah, hopefully ugly. we're hopefully we're near the the floor. But even if that dollar fifteen at that $1.15 per mile. Let's compare that to when I was with Swift. Now, I don't think Swift is paying much more than when I was with them five years ago, Central. And that was $0.90 cents a mile. But let's just go a dollar a mile, just to be a little generous there. Yeah. And the fuel surcharge is under $0.20 cents a mile, but let's do some easy math and call that $0.20 cents a mile. So your $1.20 with your out of route miles and your discrepancy between real world miles versus the household good miles that everybody pays on, even when they pay practical miles, it's still not, uh, real, you know, it's still not real miles. That dollar 20 is actually a dollar nine when you factor in the, you know, those things with the miles. So even in the worst of times I can do quite a bit better, uh, with Landstar, five or six cents per mile, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, well, that's nothing. Well, I'm I'm hauling that same freight. I'm bumping those docks ne- next to Swift and Snyder. But somehow I'm net, uh, grossing an extra five or six cents per mile, while my expenses with Landstar are super low. So, end result, even in a down year when our freight rates are just slightly above average I can still do well even on the worst case scenario I can do better than most carriers large carriers for sure now in the up years like we had um, in in 2014 I did a dollar 70 all miles to the truck hauling their trailer you just about can't beat that haul and van freight so no. in the up years you're way up in the down years you're slightly up but if you look at the big picture over you know say a five six year cycle you're going to be up quite a bit compared to any of the other large carriers
0: well um, i can throw in you know my numbers for right now um i did uh, for the month of march i ran 9200 miles i did a dollar 66 all miles to the truck And that included uh, one uh, right before Easter. um, I couldn't find anything that I liked coming out of Boston, so I just deadheaded 815 miles home. Uh, The following weekend, um, I left out after Easter, and uh, I did two loads that week. Um, I went up to New Jersey, grabbed a load out of Jersey, back to Winchester, Virginia, and I deadheaded 333 miles home. So that buck 66 includes – You know, my 9,200 miles includes, what, almost 1,200 miles that was just deadhead uh, of me just, you know, throwing it in the wind and going to the house. So, uh, you know, I'm still obviously, you know, January and and February was a little rough for me, you know, just coming back off of the, the engine rebuild and getting myself back into the market after having been off the board for a year doing a dedicated run. So, I feel like March is the best indication of what I'm doing because I had to go out and make a few mistakes and pull a few dumb loads and, and, and not really do a good job and, and stay at the house too much. But even in that March, um, I think I had two three-day weekends. I did not run any weekends in March. So, I mean, you're talking five days a week. Buck 66 on 9,200 miles. I'll I'll take that all day long. Okay. So we have laid a little bit of a foundation of why we personally are at Landstar and what we are doing as guys who, and, and there's nothing special about either one of us. We just, we get out there and, and we book loads and we deliver them and we don't crash and, you know, there, there's nothing really, there's no secret to what we're doing. We're just, you know, we've got a few agents that we know. I have a few, you know, I've probably got five agents that I can call and tell them my name and they knew who I am and, or they'll call me, you know, say, Hey, I see you're at such and such place. You know, do you want to load? Yeah. Uh, then there's a few of those that just call you because they're desperate to move their cheap junk and they call and I'm like, nah, no thanks. (laughs) Um, so right now I'm going to, I'm going to break down how the Landstar contract works as it is today. If you signed on right now. Okay. So. If you are pulling a van that belongs to Landstar, you get 65% of the line haul and 65% of accessory pay. You get 100% of the fuel surcharge and 100% of loading and unloading and detention if you wait for it. Uh, If they pay you detention, you know, right up front, it's percentage. But if you wait on it to be billed to the customer and come back, it's 100%. And I've had detention show up six, eight months later, you know matter of fact when i was off with the motor i don't know if i told you this um you know i was off like four or five weeks and so i was watching my settlements to see how much my red file was going to pile up that red file is you know if you're not making any money uh and your settlement has a negative balance it builds up in a red file and uh one week i got paid 130 dollars detention on a load i did like I don't know, July of 2014 or something. It was it was bizarre. You know, it took like 18 months for it to show up, but I got 130 bucks. Um now if you have your own trailer, you get an additional seven percent. So you get 72% of line haul. Now, one thing that I wasn't told in the beginning, and I don't I wasn't any malice in this, they just didn't tell me, but I found out through one of my agents that I pulled for, the agents get seven percent. Okay. So if an agent books a load for $1,000, um, then they're going to get 7% of that, um, you know, or what if $10,000, what, whatever the customers build, the agent gets 7%. That's how they get paid. Um, and I've, I've been to two agencies, the physical location, and, you know, the one is just, it's a one big room, you know, and there's like six desks. And in the corner office for the agent owner, and and these people just they just book freight. That's what that's what they do. They they pull some three PL stuff off that they get emailed to them, and then they've got their own direct customers. But it's just a big room with six or seven people in it, and that's the agency. But they've got light bills, they've got utilities, they've got you know workers' compensation and insurance, and wages, all stuff, wages, all the stuff they've got to pay. And that's and I got to thinking about that. I am like, man, you got to move a, I mean, a load. A freight i mean it's seven percent you, you got to move a couple three four five million dollars a year to make anything I, I mean that's i was almost shocked by that um so that's the pay and then um like if you're on flatbed like you can rent a trailer from landstar uh, and they've they've got a you know anything you want Uh, You also get the 7%. You just pay a a rental fee, you know, for whatever trade you're renting. Um, You get access to the agent network, okay? So the way I kind of think of Landstar is an umbrella, okay? Here's these, you know, you've got corporate, you've got agents, and you've got BCOs. Agents go out and book freight, whether it's their own freight or they pull 3PL stuff and stick it on our board that everybody hates, but I've hauled a lot of 3PL stuff that I've made money off of, so if it's, you know, a choice whether it's, you know, sitting in a truck stop, waiting for a direct customer, or hauling a third-party load, I'm going to haul the third-party load. Um, So the agents book the freight, the BCOs haul it. Agents can also uh, broker that freight out to... What are called approved carriers, meaning you're, you're a carrier, you fill out a packet, and Landstar approves you to haul, haul their freight. Uh, but they prefer all the freight to go on BCOs. Um, you pay 200 bucks a year for permits. You pay 1650 a year for your base plate. Each one is deducted weekly, once a year. Uh, one of my favorite things, now, uh, a lot of people ask me about HAZMAT, and they say, do you have to have HAZMAT? Yes. You have to have hazmat. Now, you don't have to pull a hazmat load, ever, if you don't want to. Um, I've made a lot of money pulling hazmat loads. Um, But I believe nobody's ever told me this, but it's just my guess. Um, The reason Landstar requires everyone to have hazmat is they're not going to put the burden of proof on the agents to say, Hey, Mr. BCO, do you have hazmat? and then let a a BCO that's desperate for a load lie to them and say, oh, yeah, I got hazmat, and then they go pick up a load that they're not legally uh, licensed to carry and then end up getting in a wreck or pulled over by DOT, and then everybody's rear end is in a sling at that point. So everybody's got to have hazmat, no questions asked. Uh, You have to have it, period, end of story. But they have people in what's called the hazmat department. I told them one day a little story. I'm at a shipper and guy hands me the bills. Well, I always, every uh, 99% of my hazmat loads, as soon as they hand me the bills or as soon as I can get my hands on the bills, I scan it with my phone and I email it to the hazmat department so they can look at it. And I call them up. I'll get my little uh, return email that says we received your email. And I call them, say, hey, I emailed some paperwork. Have a look at it. And so they print it out and they look it over and they say, oh, okay, well, you're Okay, move the X, make sure it says pounds, make sure the Kemp, chem- they just look over and make sure there's no little nitpicky BS crap that a DOT officer can trip you up on on your paperwork. So one day I met the shipper and they have the proper shipping name in the wrong order. And she says, We need to change that because that's, you know, it should be this, but it's that. And I'm like, Okay. And as far as I'm concerned, whatever they tell me is gospel. So I go to the shipper, uh, the shipping guy, and I said, hey, um, I need to change the shipping name. He goes, what are you talking about? And I said, well, the hazmat people checked my paperwork, and they said that uh, the shipping name's wrong, and we need to change it so we don't get in trouble with the DOT. He goes, well, I've never had a problem with it before. And I said, listen, we have a group of people that we keep kidnapped in a dungeon down in Jacksonville, and all we do is sit and feed them hazmat paperwork, okay? That's all they do. That's their only purpose in life. Their only reason for existing. Is to check hazmat paperwork to make sure it's okay. So if they tell me this hat, this, uh, th- this, this paperwork needs changed, it by God gonna get changed. And so he he finally relented and we changed it. And so I called the girl and I told him a little hazmat dungeon speech. So every time I call him now, I say, "Well, hey, how's the slaves?" And they all laugh and they because they think it's hilarious. Um, but that that type of support is almost invaluable, and this is. This is one of the things the themes that you're going to hear throughout this as we continue to talk about Landstar is uh, the intangible things of value that you get just because you've got that blue star on the side of your truck. Um, so we move on to that to safety and compliance, okay? Now it can be a pain, but we we have to do our federal annual inspection every 120 days, and they are real serious about it. You don't play around with that 120. You miss that 120, you're shut down. Period. End of story. So, what that does, though, is I, uh, no. I have never been inspected. Knock on wood. Uh, that means I'll get one tomorrow. Level three. Um, I have never been inspected. Now, Dan has, and he's got a story about that. Uh, But I've never been inspected yet with Landstar. But what I have seen, uh, once in Texas and once in uh, Maryland, I think. Anyway, the DOT guy standing out there. you know, And you know when you see him standing out there, you're you're done. It's over. Forget it. They're going to get out the the rubber gloves, and they're going to give it to you. And he looked. He leaned over, and he looked at the side of my truck, and he saw Landstar, and he said, go on. Have a nice day. And I shoved her in gear and took off. Um, but they know. They know when they see a Landstar truck versus Billy, Bo, Billy Joe Bob's freight company that's got one truck and the fender's flapping. Well, they've got a lot better chance of, of getting some big, fat, juicy revenue out of that guy than they do out of Landstar. So why do, why should they waste their time inspecting us when more than likely they're not going to get anything? Um. So their their safety and compliance uh, is second to none. Uh, Also, I'll throw this in here. You know, I I worked for three years for Anderson Trucking Service, and they're they're a great company. I, I can't really say anything bad about them. But God Almighty, trying to get somebody on the damn phone made me want to pull my hair out. Every time you would try to call up there, you'd just sit and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then you would get someone and they would say, Oh, well, you got to call such and such. So I call such and such. Oh, no, you got to talk to old boy. I just talked to him and he told me to call you. And then they would give me what I call the Minnesota stare. And they just look at you like, you know, they don't know who you are or where you came from or how you got there. So far with Landstar, if I've had a question, somebody will answer it and will do so in a short period of time. Uh, I, I'm not. I don't know of one time I've ever got the runaround. I've gotten a few. Oh, I don't know who to talk to, or you know, had to go through a couple people to get the answer. But I got the answer and never had to sit around and wait on it. Billing and payment. Now, this is another for me personally. Now, I've never had an authority. I've never had to bill customers. I've never had to deal with collections. But I've seen people that have billing and and payment with Landstar. Um, I don't ever have to wonder. You know, it doesn't matter if the shipper pays their bill on time or not. I'm getting paid. I get paid once a week on Thursday. 99% of the time, if I deliver a load on Wednesday, even into the afternoon, I will get paid the next day. Um, so the 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 payment, uh, the trip advances, the, the availability to get a hold of money when I need to get a hold of it, uh, second to none the billing um, when i first started i'm sitting in orientation and i just got my login and so i'm playing around with the board and i watched this load and it started out at like 800 and i looked at it a little bit later and it went to 1100 and i looked at it a little bit later and it went to like 1300 and so the the orientation coordinator i'm like hey i see that they, they're pulling more money out of their pocket you know to put on this load and he looked at me kind of weird, and he goes, I don't, I don't think you get it. And I said, okay, well, explain it to me. If a customer pays, their contract is for 200-mile 200, 200 load, 1000 bucks, $5 a mile. Whatever that customer's is is what I'm paid off of is what the trailer's paid off of, is what the agent is paid off of, what the corporate is paid off of. There is absolutely no way, none, zero. It doesn't exist. There's no possible way for for an agent to charge a customer one thing and me get paid something else because all the billing goes through Landstar. It is an absolutely incorruptible process. So if you hear some jack wagon talking in the truck stop, countertop, or on the CB radio about how an agent's going to you know slip a bunch of money in their pocket, it is not possible in any way, shape, or form. And I found this by asking questions by talking to a, a guy that's been with Landstar since the, the early days. And, I, and I, I, ran the, I ran the math on this just to check it. But let's say you have booked a load or an agent has booked a load with a customer, and a BCO doesn't want it, and an approved carrier does, well, generally what they'll do is they'll put it out there for 85% of gross. You know, they'll, they'll keep 15% off the top. And give, you know, some just depends on the agency. Some it's 80, some it's 85. Landstar takes 40% of their profit. So let's back that out. A load pays $1,000. Um, someone calls about it, and they say, uh, what's that load paying? And they say, are you a BCO or a proof carrier? And the person says, I'm a proof carrier. And they say, 500 bucks." Now, we know the shipper's paying 1000 but this guy don't know it. And the, and the agent says, $500, you can have it. And the guy says, okay, I'll take it. Does that mean that the $500 goes in the agent's pocket? No. That means that 40% of that 500 uh, is going to... No, is it 60? You know what? I might be wrong. I think Landstar takes 60%. And the agent only gets... Yeah, I'm sorry. I was completely wrong. Landstar takes 60% of the profit, not 40. So they only get 40% of that 500. So this idea and I've even seen it on Landstar Facebook pages. Well, you know, uh that broker or that agent, they 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 only like to use approved carriers so they can they can shove the 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 freight off at a lower rate so they don't have to give it to a BCO. That's why Landstar sets it up that way to disincentivize the agents from doing that. Landstar says, "Okay, sure, if you're going to take less Money, or you're going to give less money for that load and giving it to an approved carrier, that's fine, but we're going to take most of your profit, and that's going to put them down. That's what I was saying. I ran the math on a, on a random load one day, and the 7% they would have made for giving it to a BCO versus the 40% they would have made by giving it to an approved carrier was within $5 of each other. And the same guy that told me this said he has loads out of tech, West Texas that go to, I think, California. Well, there's so many BCOs. That don't have trucks that can go to California, and he says he ends up having to give these these loads away because he can't cut the rate because nobody will take it. And he said he'll end up making twenty bucks. the 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 amount of money that he will get uh, for you know booking and and posting this load with somebody is twenty dollars. Okay, so to recap the billing a little bit. I want to make sure I get this point through. The truck gets 65%. The trailer gets 7%. The agent gets 7%, which means Landstar gets 21 Now, I've seen a lot of people, oh, Landstar takes 35% of your money. No, they take 21% of the money. I don't know anywhere in there where that's my money because no matter where I'm working, somebody's going to keep a certain percentage to cover whatever their cost is like i said the trailer gets seven percent that tells me okay this is just me making an assumption or or an observation if landstars willing to give me seven percent of the revenue if i have my own trailer that tells me that their trailer does their trailer pool doesn't cost them a penny more than seven percent or they wouldn't give me seven percent for having my own trailer so that's a, tra- that's a trade-off. So I can't call any of that money mine. I also can't call any of the agent's money mine because that's their money. They have bills to pay. That's how they get paid. I would be upset if the agent said, well, the truck's getting 65. I ought to get 10. I ought to get 20. Well, no, I've got, I bear the, the greatest burden of the fuel and the maintenance and all the stuff. I need the, the greatest percentage. So that's the breakdown. And we'll talk a little bit. I want to kind of recap, you know, that 21%. We have to go back and think about what do we get for that 21%? Okay, we get cargo liability insurance. We get a support structure. We get a network of of dedicated agents that are ours. I don't have to wonder who they are. They've gone through the Landstar hiring process. They have had to at least pass some litmus test to get into the organization the same way I did. So there's a there's kind of a level playing field there, you know. We that that 21% covers a lot of things. And the next two things I want to talk about is uh, another intangible that you can't necessarily get anywhere else. And that starts with LCAP, uh, which I can't think of what that uh, acronym stands for right now. Landstar contractor. What is it? Do you know?
1: I don't think, I don't think I ever knew it.
0: Yeah. It's, I saw it on a mud flap one time. Anyway, (laughs) LCAP is basically a discount service for Landstar BCOs. We buy tires through LCAP. We can get parts through LCAP. We can get, we can buy trailers through LCAP. Um, We can general discounts, you know, your cell phone and your computers and parts and service discounts, you know, that all that stuff goes through LCAP. And, you know, I, I put a set of eight, uh, Bridgestone M710 low rolling resistance tires on my truck for 2400 bucks, $300 a tire after it was all said and done. Um, that's a pretty good deal. Um, I haven't really used Del cap for much more than that other than buying tires, you know, but the, the convenient thing is when I went and got those tires, they, they payroll deducted them or not payroll, they settlement deducted them, 300 bucks a week until they were paid for. So eight weeks and it was done, my tires were paid for. I went to get a set of steers, and they'll let you put, you know, shocks, get an alignment, whatever, in with the deal. Um, And then they just do a a settlement deduction. So I don't have to come out of my pocket, you know, with cash. If I had my own authority, I'm sure there's some discount programs, national accounts, stuff that you can buy into. I'm not sure you're going to have the the buying power uh, that you're going to have with LCAP. Uh, Another thing that has saved me uh, about four times is maintenance loans. Um, They are a little bit expensive compared to a low-rate credit card, um, but I've borrowed, I think, the first time is like $2,500. I think I've done that twice. Uh, I call them up, hey, I need a loan. Uh, okay, we'll call you back in two hours. They call you back. You're approved. They pull it out so much at a time for so many weeks. It usually works out to be. And the last one was a little over 400 a week. I kind of wish they would have spread that out a little bit more. But that's right when I was starting to have uh, engine trouble. And as we got close to, I think it was Thanksgiving week, I called them and I said, hey, I, I really need to defer one of these payments. And they're like, all right, no problem. And they just deferred one of the payments, you know, for a week just to help me with cash flow. Um, that's an intangible thing for me today where I'm at as an individual. Um, Dan and I have had many, many talks about do we get our own authority versus going to la- staying with Landstar or being leased to some. It's basically the question of leased versus authority. And from. For my individual situation and where I am at today, if I went and tried to get my own authority right now, I'd end up broke. There's just too much risk for me today. Now, as I get my debts paid down and I get some cash reserves and I'm able to buy a trailer and I've got to pay, you know, I'm in a better financial position, then mathematically, yes, long term, if it's my desire To build a trucking company and buy trucks and hire drivers, then yes, I'm better off having my own authority. I can make more money that way. But as I stand today, the best place for me as an individual to be right now is at Landstar. Um, Now, uh, I have Dan told you about his experience with Central where he got paid on a mileage contract. Okay. I did the first three years with Anderson Trucking Service, leasing a truck from them. With high payments and all the the maintenance funds and accounts and the mileage charges and all that stuff, but it was gener- basically almost the identical same contract. Sixty seven percent of revenue, sixty seven percent of accessories, one hundred percent of fuel, one hundred percent of load and unload. I did pad rep and I made great money. I made killer money. I did a dollar seventy eight all miles in twenty eleven. I did a dollar eighty eight all miles in twenty twelve. Uh, pulling a van. Doing pad wrap over there. Uh but when I got my own truck, when I bought this truck and leased it on Anderson, I came in, it was about six months in. They required the federal inspections every six months. And um I got went into the shop and the guy inspected my truck and handed me like a five thousand dollar bill. And I'm like, no. And I started I started striking through all the stuff that he wanted to do to my truck that I knew damn well didn't have nothing to do with the DOT. I got the bill down to like twelve hundred bucks, maybe fifteen hundred, and uh, I went to I went to ATS and I said, "Hey guys, it's uh, it's February, Uh, freight sucks. Just got out of Christmas. Um, I need a little help here." And they just looked at me and said, "No," and I'm like, "Excuse me," Uh, and they were like, "No, we we don't we don't do loans." And uh, they eventually made me beg. Um, literally was in tears talking to this winch uh, woman uh, who was she loved having the power so they emptied out my reserve account and i signed a promissory note for a thousand dollars and it made me feel like crap about it and and of course it was this all happened about an hour after sitting with the vice president of the van division telling me what an important asset i was and how i was one of their top guys and i was one of their biggest revenue makers and you know pumping all this sunshine up my rear end and then an hour later oh no we can't help you and uh, the next day I put in my application with Landstar and three weeks I was gone Um, now again I'm not trashing ATS they're a great company okay but they lease trucks that's what they do and I told them when I left I said guys I'm not mad at you um, but your business is leasing trucks putting drivers in them that's what y'all do. And y'all do a really good job at it. I'm not going, I'm not going to tell you that they don't. Uh, but it's just not the best environment for, for a straight-up owner-operator like myself. So I went somewhere that was tailored uh, to people um, that, you know like myself, that in the situation. That's what Landstar is built for. That's how it operates. So that's pretty much it as far as the, how the money works. You know, it's, it's very straightforward. It's, um, it's not very complicated. Um, I guess I should talk a second, you know, how the board works, you know, load alerts. You can choose follow me where it keeps up with your last uh, um, availability and it just starts sending you loads based on your parameters, how much per mile and all that stuff you want. Uh, But I I keep three load alerts going uh, at all times. One is Within a 50-mile radius of my house, I keep it going all week just so I can keep an eye on what's moving, who's moving it, where it's coming out of, so I can um, I can know who the shippers are, which West Virginia is such a black hole for freight. There's about three of them, so it's not hard. Um, I live within 150 miles of Columbus, Ohio, so I keep on going on Columbus, um, and I try to stay within about a 350-mile air mile radius of Columbus. That's where I like to run, but if, if the money's there, I'll go to the northeast in a heartbeat you know, if it, if it pays good, I'll go to Boston, New York. I don't care. Um, as long as it pays, but I keep those load alerts going and I'll, you know, I'll keep one that's $3 a mile, you know, just 200 mile radius. Um, just so I can see it, you know, and I know if that load alert goes off, I know it's money and I know I want it. And so I don't even have to look at it. I just, as soon as that email pops up, I hit call the phone number and find out the deal. Um, that's one thing about this system. You don't, you don't really have to chase freight. Um, you know, you have to put effort into it, but, you know, we've got what we've got. And we've got direct customer freight where the agent has gone out and hit the street and looked for opportunities to haul stuff for people directly with us. And we can see what direct customers are. And are not, or what loads are direct customer on the board, but there's a lot of third party stuff. Now, this probably would fit. We'll do a pro and con, and I'll I'll highlight it here. One of the sticking points for a lot of people with Landstar uh, is the amount of third party logistics, three PL stuff that is posted on our board. Um, a lot of people absolutely hate that with a passion. I've talked. Hey, Chris. to Chris. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I'm sorry to interrupt, um, cover exactly what is 3PL, you know, specifically just in case, uh, a little,
0: well, third party is essentially any load booked by someone other than your carrier. So if I am Chris's trucking company and anything that I don't book myself is third party, I'm leased to Landstar, so anything that's not booked by a Landstar agent is third party. So that's C.H. Robinson, that's Jones Motor Freight, that's Wooster Motor Lines, that's J.B. Hunt, Schneider, um, TQL, uh, you know, whoever. Anybody who is not my company is third party. Now, and I've talked to an agent. Uh, matter of fact, I know one agent that, I, that I, I like to do business for. They don't have any third party. You will never find a third-party load posted by that agent. The only thing they put on the board is what they book themselves. And I respect that. And I told the guy that to his face. I said, hey, man, because we had a little disagreement over a over a pay. And and when I called him to discuss it, uh, he said, look, I, these are all my customers. So, th- th- you know, that makes it different. And I said, you know what? I respect that. So... Um, there are people I'm sure that believe Landstar should not have any 3PL f- freight on our board at all. Period. End of story. It's a principal issue for them. And I, I I hear where you're coming from. I really do. But, you know, we've got anywhere, even in this, you know, this market, we, we've got anywhere from 12 to 16,000 loads a day posted on our board. Um, well, if, Every load on there was something that our agents booked. I don't know, that number'd probably go in half. It'd yeah. go to a third. I don't I don't know what exactly what the number is. But the the number of loads available for me to haul is going to go down. And I have I've made great money pulling CH Robinson loads, pulling JB Hunt loads, whoever didn't, you know, I've pulled three four dollar a mile stuff. For, from third party now, and I've also seen seventy-five mile, a uh, centimile junk posted on there too. But whatever you know. Um, matter of fact, there's a there's a girl that calls me probably once every month or other month, and as soon as I see her name on my caller ID, I know it is. It's a load that loads ten miles from my house. You pull out, turn left, you go five miles, bump a dock. Usually pay six hundred bucks gross takes me two hours to load it, to drive from the truck stop, load it, drive down and empty it and get back to the truck stop in two hours. If we didn't have third-party loads available to us, I couldn't do that load because it's a C.H. Robinson load. But that shipper uses C.H.R. for all their stuff. So, I, to me, it's just cutting your nose off to spite your face to, to say absolutely never, no 3PL. Well... Okay, again, I understand the principle, but this idea that if all the third party goes away, that somehow that benefits us—I I don't get the math on that. Um, so, uh, and let me let me do one more example. Of so, so I'm least so I'm with ATS. I'm in this truck, and I go out to Phoenix. All right, now now the way ATS worked, they did a lot of their own customer freight, which is usually specialized or pad wrap. So there was a lot of times I deadhead four, five, six, eight hundred miles to get from one destination to a to a customer uh, customer freight. So I'm out in Phoenix and Phoenix sucks outbound. Uh, got paid real good going in there, and this was right about the time I started looking at Landstar. Well, I looked at Landstar's public board, and I saw a load that was going over to one of the Carolinas or something. So I just called the number and I said, Hey i'm calling about this load she says are you a bco or a proof carrier i said i don't have a clue and she said uh she said well who are you with and i said anderson trucking she said oh you're you're proof carrier and i said okay and i said well what are you paying and she told me and i did the math and i'm like well that sucks but what that load's paying is a whole lot better than deadheading 800 miles so, I had to call my dispatcher and say, "Hey, I found this load on the Landstar board. Do y'all want it? Here's the information. So I had to go through all these extra steps. Well, that's what it would be like if Landstar had no 3PL freight, if we didn't have any rela- if none of our agents had any relationships with third- party logistics companies, and I'm sitting somewhere and I go on dat or truckstop.com or whatever other load board that I would also have to pay for, I'd have to pay extra for that. Well then, I'm going to have to book it through an agent because I don't, I don't as a as a BC, I don't have the authority to book freight. I'd have to call an agent, an agent would have to call. There would just be so much uh, extra steps and hassle to go through when we have uh, our agents have relationships set up with these street PL people. So why not haul it? If it's not going to meet my cost, I'm not going to haul it anyway. So. I just I don't understand all the drama around it, but you know that's just that's just one of the things that uh, you know that you hear a lot. Uh, and I've seen it in these Facebook groups. Installs all third party. Well, no, it's not all third party. Doofus. Um, is there third party stuff on our board? Yes. Is it all third? No. Of course not. Uh, we have a lot of agents, but like Dan said before, he did the math on his own. Through his own experience, which is which is key here, because I've I've seen a lot of these uh, loudmouth idiots that run off at the mouth about Landstar and how bad it sucks and they call it Landstarve and and all this. Um, and I say, well, so when were you leased to Landstar? Oh, I wasn't, but my buddy wasn't. Okay, well, so your buddy was an idiot and a loser and probably didn't know how to run his business, and it's all Landstar's fault. So you're going to tell everybody else that Landstar sucks because your buddy, yeah. Okay, I, I see how well that works out. Um, so, all right. So I guess now we can get to the pros and cons, and I'll let you go. I'll let you get started there, and I'll okay. respond as necessary.
1: Okay. Well, I think the pros we've just about covered them all. Um, the cons, some of the ones I hear frequently are again the third party party freight and you've covered um you know that that's uh that's not really a bad thing that's a good thing in a lot of cases because it puts more loads on the board and if you didn't have those loads on the board we'd have a lot more trucks sitting and losing money and having to deadhead 800 miles so yep what looks like a bad thing because a lot of those 3 PL loads are not paying very well you know dollar 50 a mile or whatnot it looks like a bad thing but in the big picture it's it really is a good thing it really does make a difference to your bottom line yeah a positive difference um, it's I'll only also- it's so- only
0: an issue if you want to make it an issue. It's one of those things that if you're just if you're just dying to find something to complain about, okay, well, third party that that's low hanging fruit. I can complain about that, right?
1: Well, I think it goes back to the idea that as the truck owner operators, we've got all the expensive, all the expenses. You know, we 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 picture these uh, agents sitting behind a computer in their living room in their slippers, and. God knows some of them are, but you know, a lot of them aren't, a lot of them are right. in an office with employees and they've got payroll and they have uh, monthly, you know, rent and building expenses. So, and again, like you said, everybody's got to make money. It's essential in business. If you don't make money, you're going out of business and that's not going to help us. These are the people that find the loads for us. We need them. Um, one of the other things i frequently hear and to be totally honest i've frequently have said it in the past and that is landstar is expensive company to run for you know that 65 percent that uh you know that 35 percent that they take well every time i think about that i have to remind myself that uh no matter what and i've i've run the math like the scenario i listed out earlier hauling the cheap heavy beer but i can still do better by 5 or 6 cents a mile all miles to the truck and and again that was a worst case scenario that's in the downtime
0: oh, in yeah.
1: the in the up years i'm up 30 40 cents a mile i mean how where else can you do that
0: um and it be so transparent right i mean let's say you've got your own authority all right. and you're just calling you know, Joe Broker, and you're, okay, well, it's Denver, it's beer, it's going from A to B, what's it paying? And they tell you, well, you don't know what the customer's actually paying. That's a complete unknown. With Landstar, I know exactly what the customer's paying. I, I don't right. have to guess how much the, the broker, and that's something we'll need to cover because I brought up that uh, uh, you sent me looking for broker's P&L. Um, and I, and I found something, we'll talk about that in a minute, but how much, you know, the average broker makes per load. Uh, yeah. I've got some pretty fascinating numbers that I found.
1: Okay. Well, back to the cons list real quick. Uh, just some of the ones again that, you know, I hear from some of the other, uh, Landstar owner operators, you know, they complain about the, the 120 day, uh, DOT inspection, you have to get on the truck. You know, it's basically, it's three times a year. And some guys, that's just too much. Well, me personally, that, uh, helps me keep my truck in tip top shape, which I'm all about. Um, I do most of my own work these days, but another set of eyes under there, it's caught some things that, that I didn't catch before. So in my book, that's a good thing. Oh yeah. Um... And then, you know, there's the issue with the, with the guys, the new guys that start on just kind of getting the hang of the load board and the way the freight lanes work. And, you know, why can't I find anything coming out of Florida? Well, it's there. You just need to lower that minimum, uh, rate. There's a, on the load board, when you're searching, there's, there's a minimum rate per mile. And a, a lot of guys will put that, you know, at, two dollars a mile well no there's nothing coming out of florida for two dollars a mile um they just have to get the hang of the freight lanes and realize that stuff coming out of florida don't pay anything and but it it pays good going in into florida so it's it's all give and take and that's just the nature of trucking always has been since deregulation always will be um so I'm sure there's probably some other cons, but those are the ones that, uh, I know I hear the most. So I just wanted to,
0: you know, discuss I, I guess maybe it's because of, you know, the the three year experience with Anderson. Again, Anderson's a great company. I had, a I had a, a good experience there, but the, the feeling of freedom that I have here because, and I remember before I ever, uh, might have even been before I ever thought about leasing or buying a truck. I heard like an advert... might have been on Kevin Rutherford's show. Maybe he had somebody talking about Landstar years ago. And, and the guy said, Landstar is the next best thing to having your own authority without right. having your own authority. Well, that's the God's honest truth. Because I operate essentially the exact same way that I would if I had my own authority. The only difference is... I'm pulling their trailer, working in their network, and I've got their support system around me, and I throw off, you know, a few pennies of every dollar uh, into, to to, to pay for access to that network, and, but there's really no difference uh, in how I operate, you know, because I just, I do my, do my deal when I want to do it, and how I want to do it, and, you know, obviously, I mean, you're the shining example of that, I mean, you're a guy that goes and takes, a couple three months off and do, does what you want to do and, and comes back right. when you're ready so <laughs> you know you, i couldn't do that at anderson you know i i got him uh I, I took two weeks off at christmas um but even then even even after i had my own truck and was out of a lease truck they're like when are you coming back when are you coming back i'm like i'll come back when i'm good and damn well ready you know
1: yeah <laughs> i've gone uh I've gone three and four months at a time without getting a call from Landstar. And one of those times was uh, when I took the winter off. I even had their trailer that whole time, and they didn't call looking for it. Wow. So that that's pretty amazing. You're not going to get that anywhere else. And No. you know, if uh, I worked long and hard to get to the point where I could afford uh, to take those winter months off, you know, again, I live in Denver, so I don't, like chaining up and I don't like what the mag chloride and all the salt does to the truck. So that's my choice. It's my business model that I worked hard and long to get to the point where I could take that time off. But the only other way I'm going to be able to do that without getting a phone call, you know, after a week or 10 days or whatnot, uh, and not just one phone call, many phone calls after that, that long, the only other way you're going to, uh, have that happen is getting your own authority. And you know, back to that you just said uh guys have told you, you know, Landstar is basically one step below or you know, a stepping stone to getting your own authority. Well, that that is absolutely true. You operate so much like if you had your own authority that it, it is a great stepping stone. It's a great, you know, training ground for those guys who are going to work towards getting their own authority or, you know, a lot of guys just stay, they don't feel the need to get their own authority. Um, they do just fine at Landstar. Uh, you know, some, some of those guys that get into the specialized stuff, we're just talking about van freight today. That's kind of the the barrel. Um, Oh yeah. We're the bottom feeders. Yeah. There's a whole nother world at Landstar that you and I don't even know about. And you know, if you can, figure that out as an owner operator you could uh really do well so
0: so another con is probably uh uh cheap freight but but that's i mean everybody's got cheap freight like you say um but what i have learned to do and and you probably as well is a lot of time it's about putting two loads together a great load with a crappy load as long as it the two of them together makes your cost that's really all that matters, you know, or, I mean, there's been plenty of times that I've, like I say, I've deadheaded home from Boston, you know, just because there either wasn't anything coming this way, um, you know, because you learn about lanes. That, that's kind of a big thing. Maybe we didn't talk about enough about that with lanes, you know, I've noticed on the board, once you get past Pittsburgh, everything stays in the Northeast. So if I take a load to Harrisburg or, or New Jersey or everything. There's very little that gets me back into the Midwest or down to the Southeast. Um, and of course, if it's going any further than that to like Laredo, it's going to pay 50 cents a mile. Um, but you know, if I'm going up there on a great rate over $3 a mile, well, I'm going to start looking for buck 50, you know, buck 20, because then it's deadheading home versus having a load that pays my fuel bill, you know? Um, so you got anything you want to add to cheap freight and, and, uh, Putting loads together. Well,
1: pretty much you said it. You know that that is a complaint I hear. You know, somewhat fairly often uh, from from other Landstar BCOS. There's too much cheap freight on the board. Well, that's trucking. All the load boards have cheap freight on them. You've got to learn how to make put your you know your runs together, two, three loads sometimes triangles. We hear about triangles a lot
0: yeah a cheap load to a great load and then another cheap load and it all works out
1: right it's all about you know how it averages out um and you know you come into this business if you can't figure out how to do that well you need to go back on a mileage contract lease or you just need to stay a company driver uh if you're on load boards that's just the reality that's trucking today doesn't matter if you have your own authority or whoever you're leased to so yeah
0: absolutely did i tell you about the guy i met last week little bit yeah about 30 year so so i'm at a shipper and there's another Landstar truck and it's shiny on look brand new built, and it's got a million mile sticker on the side of it and um and it wasn't a Landstar trailer. So I look at the truck, and I assume, okay, well, here's a guy that's been around a long time, got his own trailer. Um, and I and I learned, the one of the most valuable lessons that I learned in this business was when you see somebody that you can tell has some information that's beneficial to you, you best be asking some questions. So I'm thinking, I, I'm fixing to get some wisdom off this old boy. So I go in the dock. Well, he's just finishing up. And they're rushing him out, you know, telling him to get out of the dock. And so I'm, I'm going to have maybe five minutes with this guy. So I say, how long have you been with Landstar? He says, 29 years. I'm like, God, I'm 40. You know, this guy's been here 29 years. And uh, so I'm talking and I said, so I said, uh, you got any wisdom for me on, uh, you know, how to navigate this down market? And he goes, yes, got to take it one day at a time, man, one day at a time. It's all you got to do. And I said, okay. And so I'm walking out to the truck with him. He gets up in the truck and. And he goes, you know what the kicker is? And I said, yeah, what is it? He says, I don't even own this truck. And I went, what? And he goes, nope, I've worked for the same guy for 31 years, 29 of them. We've been with Landstar. He said, I ain't got rich, but son, I've made a great living. And I thought, wow. I mean, this dude has been driving for the same guy since I was nine years old. 29 of them been driving for a BCO with Landstar. I'm just, and I I did a, a I posted a little thing on the Landstar Friends uh, P- Facebook page about it, and apparently uh, w- the dispatcher that works that this guy works for w- was on there, and he goes, I bet you met that guy in Nitro, West Virginia. I said, yeah, I did. And he said, yeah, I've, I've dispatched him for years. And he said, "He's a- he's a great guy. But the wisdom that I got out of him in five minutes, take each day one at a time. I mean, I was ready to quit last week. You know, I go through that about once a month. I'm just like, screw it. I'm selling the truck. I'm going to go deliver pizzas or something, you know. You just get fed up with the crap and the rates and the, you know. And uh, But then I think about it, you know. One day at a time. I've got to do this day as best as I can do it. And then when tomorrow gets here, I'm going to do that day the best that I can do it. And just roll on along, you know. Because in our, our society, in our generation, we're so quick to jump. You know, we will we will turn tail and just go a completely different direction. But that's, I mean, that's kind of the way that the economy is built now. You can, I mean, well, uh, our neighbor um, across the street, dude went and got a a degree. He's an MD. He's a medical doctor. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to go back to college and become a pharmacist. So now he's finishing up his, so dude's got two medical degrees, basically. But he just got to the point of, he was like, you know what? I don't like this doctor stuff. So he quit. Went back to school. Now he's going to be a pharmacist. Dude's still going to make killer money either way. Probably better money as a pharmacist than an MD, um, or at least with a lot less headaches. So, you know, I've said in in shows before, attitude is such a big part of this. You know, and it's it's hard to stay sunshine and roses all the time because sometimes life just sucks. You know, the weather sucks and the freight sucks and the rate sucks and you just want to go home and curl up in the bed and, you know, but, uh, you know, I've told people, look, leasing the Landstar is the single best decision I've made in my career by far. I wished I'd have known to do it 20 years ago. You know, if, if someone would have just took me off to the side and said, look, What you need to do is get some experience and then go buy a really cheap, ugly, DOT legal, roadworthy truck and go lease it on the Landstar versus being a company driver. And all you got to do is have the ability to keep your books, you know, to to be able to to track your expenses and stuff and have a decent attitude and not be a jerk and put your focus on serving the customer and you'll be fine. Uh, I'd be in a whole lot better financial position today. That if I would have done that, if someone could have just somehow imparted that on me, to uh, to have a, a different way of looking at life. So, <clears throat> so we've covered pros and cons. We've covered the uh, we covered the re- oh let me let me bring up this broker thing. So I did a little Google search and i came up with this DAT special report from 2013 sixth annual broker benchmark survey. And I figure if anybody's going to have the numbers on this stuff, it's going to be DAT. You know, they just, D-A-T, whatever you call them. Uh, they, they're going to have the numbers. And so this little intro graphic, the survey highlights, and it says uh, average gross margin for non-asset-based freight brokers in 2012 was 14.3%. Uh, the average was 392 loads per month uh gross profit per load this one shocked me 175 dollars so if we think about that logically and we take we take we put our feelings over here in a box for a second if the average growth and this was in 2011 2012 all right and and we were booming in 2012 things were rocking and rolling in 2012. And the average gross profit per load was $175. Um, that means brokers, uh, this idea that brokers are stuffing their pockets full of money while we're all going broke is just ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. Uh, I would love to, see, I'd love to see this report like next year. I'd love to see what that number is after we've gone through this dip. To see what that gross profit per load is um, and I remember this guy I drove for an owner operator at least the US Express like 2000 2001 great guy taught me a lot about the business taught me a lot just about life you know he was a, he was a military guy um, he had no filter uh, he did not uh, he did not suffer fools and he did not uh, he did he did not put your feelings uh, you know he, he didn't care anything about your feelings when he told you something But I asked him, uh, and I knew nothing, I mean, just next to nothing about the the market, trucking, you know. I I could drive and shift and back, and that was about it. But they were getting $0.85 a mile loaded and empty back then. And we ran a lot of miles. His freight or his hometown policy was run 12,000 miles, and I don't care what you do. But if you don't run 12,000 miles, don't go home. Don't ask me to go home if you haven't run 12,000 miles. And that was his... You know, if the trucks ran 12,000 miles, everything was fine. And I asked him one day, I said, man, these, y'all making 85 cents a mile loading empty. How do you do it? And he looked at me. He said, son, there's pennies laying around all over the place. All you got to do is reach down and pick them up. But, you know, that's one thing I've said in these shows before. And uh, and I'll say it again. The, the profits in this business are measured in pennies, not dollars. right. right. Uh, the minute you start trying to measure things in dollars, you're going to have a bad day uh, because everything we do is measured in pennies. It's, you know, five cents a mile uh, on your total fuel usage for the year, five, five cents a mile on your total maintenance. It's huge. It's an astronomical number when you start adding up these pennies. Um, uh, remind me to tell you off the air uh, about the guy I met the other day. It was Matt at Kevin Rutherford. <laughs> okay. That's a great story. Um, so, you know, I think we've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish with this show. Uh, you know, I want to answer the questions about Landstar. How does it work? I want to put to rest some of the BS uh, about it. Uh, but I also want us to, I also want us to put away some of these uh, things that we repeat just because they sound good or they. Or they validate our pre-existing bias. You know, oh, brokers suck, so of course they're ripping us off. Well, you know, brokers have a job to do. They have a they have a place in the market, um, an important place in the market. Um, I'm not even sure, man. I mean, this is one of the things we've talked about, you know, being leased with Landstar versus having your authority. I'm not sure how good of a salesman I am. I mean, let's say I've got a truck and a trailer. Am I good enough? I mean, I'm sure I could acquire it, but do I have the skill to go out and sell myself and try to get direct customer freight? I, there's guys that do it, but there's also guys that are great at selling cars, great at selling insurance, great at selling houses. Maybe that's not me. You know, maybe I just, maybe I don't have the skill set to be the salesman to go out and, and, and build that kind of stuff. I, I'm sure I could, I mean, I've figured out how to make a podcast. I'm not sure I can figure out how to sell freight, but, um, you know that's uh I don't know you got anything else to add
1: uh no, I think you've pretty much hit the nail on the head on on everything there um and I agree with pretty much all everything you said there
0: um i'm gonna i'm gonna cut that audio and make it a ringtone. I agree with everything you said, so i'm just gonna I'm just gonna have that on a loop that way every time you call me, it'll just you know. Uh, and now I'm going to cu- I'm gonna have to cut. Now I'm going to have to cut all that out because I banged my microphone stand. So now I had. Oh, it I that thought
1: out. that was. I thought you had a sound effect like that was a like like a rim <laughs> shot, you know, for the <laughs> like they do on the talk show. Okay. You know? All
0: right. All right. Now I'll just now I'll leave it <laughs> in. Oh, I won't even cut it out. Uh, yeah, there's a spring on here, and I moved my hand, and I banged that spring. This this is a low budget operation. Well, you know, I, I've I've pieced together enough used equipment and chords and stuff to make this thing well work. it's even
1: better now because you just got a free sound effect
0: yeah well you know i down, i've got a thing on my ipad i downloaded this app that does sound effects uh but that would be a complete waste <laughs> of time and pretty much guarantee that our what our meager listenership would probably go away in a hurry <sighs> okay well i guess we'll wrap it up on that note um here's the thing guys uh if you enjoy i've gotten some great emails from people um but uh, I need people to share this. I need you to share it on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, I need you to send us emails. Uh, you know, if you got questions for Dan, um, you know, his, he's really strong in the maintenance department. Um, send me emails, anamericantruckdriver at gmail.com. I can forward those on to Dan. Um, you know, if you got questions about maintenance and older trucks, man, he's your guy. Uh, he's an absolute gearhead um, and, and his – probably saved me ten thousand dollars um you know and and either one of us can answer questions about you know Landstar or just trucking in general um dan's pretty good with taxes too so uh send us your questions but share please get this out um share it with people uh send us emails give us feedback let us know what you think and with that i think we will call it a day uh hit me up on uh, facebook facebook.com slash an american trucker trucker good grief i don't need my own stinking website how dumb is that facebook.com uh, slash an american truck driver twitter.com slash truckin czar i'm on uh, instagram an american truck driver and the email an american truck driver at gmail.com we'll see you next time